Hello, and thank you for listening to this Fun Board Council podcast. This is a 15 minute excerpt of our longer podcasts, and the full podcasts are available exclusively to Fun Board Council members via their member portal. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more about membership, please do contact us via our website at funboards.org. In the meantime, happy listening. So today we're going to be discussing the FCA's consumer duty and you'll be happy to hear there's very little in the way of presentation. Um, Simon and I are just going to give a few opening thoughts but today's really all about you. It's really all about us sharing our thoughts uh, and, our, and our ideas with each other. And um, in case you don't know, I'm Brandon Horwitz. I'm a senior advisor to the Fund Boards Council. And uh, as, as, as some of you will know, I get very excited about product governance and things like assessment of value and the consumer duty. So this is certainly right up my street. At that point, I'll hand over to Simon to please introduce yourself. Thanks, Brandon. Uh, more uh, afternoon all. Uh, I'm also, like Brandon, senior advisor to the Fund Boards Council. Uh, we try and chip in on areas where we have some subject matter expertise. And for me, that's, that's distribution. I've served on Fund Boards as an exec until April last year when I went purely non-exec. So I now advise a few fund and ETF boards, as well as the work for the FBC. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Simon. Um, I'm going to kick off now just with a few thoughts on the consumer duty and what it means for authorised fund managers. And, and then I will hand over to Simon. Now, I'm expecting, just as I look around the screen over here, um, most people here will have some knowledge of the consumer duty. So I'm, I'm not going to go through full chapter and verse. But I'm expecting we probably all know it's got three, three main components. The first one is the, cons the consumer principle. There's then three cross-cutting rules and there's four outcomes. Now, to me, this consumer principle, it's really the center of the duty. It sets out the standard of behavior, which the FCA expects from firms, and it expects firms to act in such a way that they deliver good outcomes for retail customers. The key difference, which the duty is introducing to everything else, which, which we, we probably know and love from many years of being regulated, is it's no longer enough, says the FCA, to treat your customers fairly and to communicate in a way which is clear, fair and not misleading. The bar has been raised and the bar has been raised to this level of delivering good outcomes. Now, that begs the immediate question of what are good outcomes? Uh, and the FCA obviously expands upon this in the, in the paper. And they talk about three cross-cutting rules when it comes to retail customers. You've probably read about this. Uh, firms need to act in good faith, to avoid causing foreseeable harm, and to enable and support customers to achieve their financial objectives. So far, so good. But you could also say, so far, so woolly, because we're really talking about these very, very abstract ideas and that's probably one of the reasons why the FCA then spells out a bit more detail and talks about rules and guidance for how firms should conduct themselves, specifically when it comes to the governance of products and services, price and value, consumer understanding, and consumer support. This is where it starts to get interesting, because then we can start to unpack and we can explore the consumer duty to think about, well, how does it compare with assessment of value for authorized fund managers? And to cut a very long story short, there's a great deal in common, in my opinion. All the things to do with product governance, value assessment, board responsibility, undertaken an annual assessment. Really, there's a lot there, which, which is very much an echo of, of things which we know and love. 
excuse me, if not from assessment of value, certainly from the product governance and the product rulebook, which we'll all be intimately uh, aware of. But where there is a major difference in my view, uh, and again, this is something which we've had some initial discussions with the FCA about is these points about consumers' interests, these points about consumer understanding and consumer support. It's very, very clear that the bar has been raised on these points for everyone, um, and that everyone includes obviously authorized fund managers. There is this expectation now about communicating and engaging with customers so that they can make effective decisions. There's the expectation of not exploiting customers' behavioral biases or their lack of knowledge or their vulnerability. And there's also the expectation of monitoring and regularly reviewing the outcomes that customers are experiencing and taking action if there are any risks to these customer outcomes. Definitely a, a very, very high bar. But of course, the first thing which we think about is, well, how can or how should fund managers do this in practice? Because for a lot of fund managers who are, who are disintermediated, where they're the platforms and the financial advisors between them and the customers, well, what do they do given that they don't actually touch the end consumer? Which is a very neat way for me to hand over to Simon, uh, because that then naturally leads us to this first question of distributor oversight. So Simon, over to you. I think the idea of this webinar was really to, uh, to, to relook at distribution oversight through a consumer duty lens to probably perhaps take views as to whether we think the consumer duty rules and guidance have helped with the challenge of distribution oversight or, or hindered it, uh, hopefully, hopefully not. Um, and really, I'm not going to repeat the messages in the, in the report because I know many of you have, have read it. There is also on our website a webinar we recorded back in May this year, um, which touched on the UK, Lux and Irish fund boards uh, jurisdictions and really compared and contrast how distribution oversight was being done in those areas. And out of that, I think we got lots of really good ideas for the broader board discussion on distribution. And really, that's what we got into. So going away from just distribution oversight into distribution insight. So do the fund boards have sufficient clarity about who's in the funds? Are we considering things like client liquidity, not just investment liquidity in its, uh, in its traditional sense? So there's lots of good stuff in the report about that particular content, I think. And um, we talk a lot in the paper about the importance of having a qualitative discussion about distribution and to go beyond the, the data. But of course, you need some data in the first place to frame the conversation and to discuss. And that's where the UK has its own particular challenge, really. Um, the UK is probably the most heavily platform intermediated market in Europe. Um, most IFAs years now are using finance down, uh, obviously, the, 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 the dominant player but now AJL and a whole host of other D2C players using platform technology to access a growing segment of consumers and probably the last channel that's converted to the platform way if you like would be uh, wealth managers um, and those over the last five years I think I've, I've seen um, embracing platform tech through swimming downstream you know traditionally uh, these guys will have um, run portfolios um, for very wealthy clients on a discretionary basis. Um, so wealth managers have started using platforms very heavily as they run discretionary models for IFAs. And those IFAs who have themselves become very embedded with their chosen platforms are, are now, of course, wanting the models to be hosted on their chosen platforms as well. So putting all that together, I would say 90% of net fund flow in the UK um, most years goes through some form of platform. 
And if we haven't got visible data from consumers, from point of sale, through to wealth managers and IFAs and up to fund groups, then we have a real challenge in oversight and trying to justify whether our products are meeting the needs of consumers and whether we're able to report on those on an ongoing basis. So that was really what I think we were hoping that Consumer GC would deliver for us, some sort of improvement in the data visibility and for other participants in the value chain to realise they have a role to play in the transmission of effective data for the benefit of fund groups and those boards who are looking after consumers' interests. The other point I'd say was that much of our work, when we discussed with fund boards in all jurisdictions, there are quite a few now fund boards who have, or fund groups who have UK funds as well as offshore funds. And in that situation, many of you are working towards a harmonized approach to fund governance, where you want you know, an invested team growing, looking at um, a holistic view and approach to governance that works across all fund structures and all jurisdictions. And of course, if the UK and the FCA diverged too much from what is already established practice for USITs, then obviously that would be a slight pain for those groups. And so we want some sort of consistency to make these processes work quite well. So that's what we were hoping for from consumer duty. So with that in mind, uh, Brandon, I'll hand back to you to kick off the uh, Q&A. Thank you very much, Simon. And um, just before we kick off, uh, I'm going to just ask everybody to use the little hand function uh, if, you'd, if you'd like to speak. And um, if you'd prefer to put a, a message in the chat, by all means do. And um, Simon and Suzanne will help me monitor the chat. And I think w without further ado, would anybody like to, to comment? Simon, would you, would you mind just sharing some thoughts from your side uh, and, and, for, and perhaps just you know, introduce yourself if you don't mind? So Simon Wilson, Head of Strategic Policy in the Investment Division of SJP. Um, obviously from distribution oversight, um, I think I've got a probably an easier hand, um, Brandon would argue, um, in that we are that vertically integrated side. But I think the challenges are still a lot of the fundamental sort of like same, but will be faced by industry, etc. Um, Amity, I think I described it to Brandon earlier as a hill versus a mountain, perhaps in the ability that I have. I can try and join those dots up together but we probably need to get more robust at it. And I think where I look at it from a consumer duty side, if you look at where the supervision piece is going, it's all about data. Um, and that's both on the regulator side and our own sort of like side. And the danger is the regulator's going to get there first um, with their investment in technology. So it's, it's that bit of trying to demonstrate something that's quite subjective really in terms of target market etc which is what oversight comes back to fundamentally from a product governance perspective and I think that's the challenge and how we parameterize that and how we translate that into language that we can join the dots to give sort of like some more quantitative type measures within it but that comes back to a limited population in my view um, when you look at it in the European template type style of MIFID is a lot of things don't differentiate um, enough. Um, so I think that's the sort of like the challenges. And I think if I looked at it on a wider basis, has the use of platforms actually made this more of a challenge? I.e. it's putting another layer of barrier in between certain aspects, but it's all joining up those silos. Um, it's just my silos are all together. So I've got that chance, but it's still difficult here. <laughs> Well, it's interesting, Simon, because I think you, you hit the nail on the head where 
we all say to the regulator, well, why don't you tell us what you mean? But when the regulator tells us what they mean, we all say, well, we don't like what you're saying. We'd, we'd rather make our own, we'd rather have our own interpretation. And I guess the first question I'd put to everyone here, if anybody would like to comment, the core of the consumer duty is good outcomes. So what are good outcomes in an authorized fund manager's context? You know, is that a fund which is always first quartile? Is that a fund which is not more expensive than the median? Um, you know, we've all been grappling with this for over three years because, of course, we've been thinking about this from the perspective of the assessment of value. But it's almost like Simon's jumped straight to the, OK, well, how do we measure these outcomes by thinking about some of the quantitative data for target market, which is obviously linked to the, the Mifid EMT things we've all been struggling with. But even if we just step back a little bit, has anyone made any progress or, or started on that journey of saying, well, what are good outcomes for our retail customers? Ah, Julian, please. And yeah, let me just pick up some themes around that. And I think in terms of context and my, my role as chair of the fund board at Invesco, um, you know, we're on the journey still. So we got the surprise of uh, you've got to have an implementation plan by the end of October. So uh, we've put in an ad hoc board meeting to address that. So at the moment, this is my personal thinking <laughs> and it's not reflective of the journey that Invesco will be on, albeit I'm interested to hook up with Birgit perhaps at some point because she brings a European perspective. Uh, my pleasure. Which is, use yeah. which is useful <laughs> to me. Um, but, but in terms of uh, outcomes for consumers, and I think you've hit the nail on the head with the value assessment. Uh, the value assessment is assessing the product from the perspective of harm to consumer uh, and, and not good outcomes. So I'd like to think we've ticked a very, very large box there. And, and that leaves the segment of harm, which is inappropriate product, uh, wrong consumer, you know, negative target market, things like that, where again, I think we're quite broad brush in the way we think about negative target market, you know, not suitable for someone who doesn't want to take equity risk, for instance, is quite a narrow and simple uh, thing. But what this is doing is requiring us to have more visibility of what our distributors are doing to assess that. And my concern here, uh, which I think in Europe, this has been driven by regulation and therefore there's going to be a standardised approach. Whereas in the UK, the regulator said, no, no, it's up to you. <laughs> and so every firm is going to be asking different questions <laughs> of their distributors and, and will create a huge lot of work uh, everything will get cut in lots and lots of different ways. And so in my head, as part of our implementation plan, and this is probably the positive outcome of my thinking, is we need to be engaging really closely with all of our distributor network and helping them filter their thinking uh, and, and help them achieve more standardization. Or otherwise, they're just going to have a ton of work that, you know, uh, you know, we won't see the wood for the trees. We hope you enjoyed that uh, 15 minute excerpt. If you did and you'd like to find out more about how you can access the full recording uh, or about FBC membership in general, please contact us via our website at funboards.org.